Hello everyone and welcome to an all new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope Presents 90s Films Turn 30. Thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen. And in just a few minutes I'm going to be bringing on Brandon McLaughlin as he joins me as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. But before we get to that, just want to let you know on a couple of episodes that I've already done for this spinoff ser- series here in Season 2, you can check out uh, my conversation with Sammy Flutis as we tackle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to The Secret of the Use. That's available now on all of your podcast platforms. And uh, I know I was supposed to do a couple of ones before this Terminator episode, but this one was just too big uh, to get those uh, on deck. So those will be coming later on after this episode is posted so stay tuned for that so without further ado let's not waste any more time and this time it's nothing personal this is terminator 2 judgment day enjoy the show same make these were taken at the west highland police station 1984 you were there same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once he was programmed to destroy the future. I don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission. Get down is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy... He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. ...is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two... Terminator 2. You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all. Look again. Stay down! Go! Now! We gotta stick together! Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back. For good. Trust me. All right, folks, here we go. In the house today for his first ever episode on this spinoff series of 90s films turned 30. Welcome, Brandon McLaughlin. We're going to be talking all things Terminator 2, Judgment Day. What's up, buddy? Not much, not much, sir. As always, thank you so much for having me. Uh, super excited to to be a part of not only another episode of the show, but to be a part of this spinoff series, uh, something that's once again outside of the realm of wrestling. So really get to show my knowledge on some some other stuff for you nice ladies and gentlemen out there. Uh, and, and I really do, I, I can't speak enough about, about how much I appreciate the opportunity to do this because this really like, basically this fell into my lap on accident. Uh, the more I think about it, so it's super awesome to actually be here. This is uh, this is probably the most hyped episode of the season for this 
for 1991 that we're celebrating this year, the 30-year anniversary. This is like the... I'm calling this... This is like the WrestleMania episode for this series because Terminator 2 is one of the most influential, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. So I was real excited to get to this one. Obviously, a lot of great movies uh, this upcoming year that I'm still going to cover, but Terminator 2 is like at the very top. So the fact that we're covering it now already, it's... uh, it's it, it's exciting, man. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, so before we get into any of the specifics, you know, we're going to talk about the box office and you know the critical accolades and all that stuff. What are your earliest memories of Terminator 2: Judgment Day, Brandon? 2003. So interestingly enough, my earliest memory was actually right around the time that Rise of the Machines, the third movie, was coming out. Um, the reason for that being is because if I did the math correctly, my age, minus 18, I was about the age of nine, so I was in third grade, and I had a buddy of mine who was actually named Tyler, and he was a big, uh, not only was he a big horror movie buff, but he was a big action movie buff, mm-hmm. and any time that we would have uh, free time or a free day in class, he would always be doodling something, and in his sketchbook, he would find like all of the famous horror killers like Michael Myers and Jason, but he would also be big on drawing the the robots from mm. the Terminator series. So one day he was drawing, and I happened to just look over and I'd be like, "Hey, is that from the is that from the Terminator?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, my parents are, are taking me to go see the new one that's coming out. I'm so excited. Have you seen them?" And I was honest with him, like I hadn't actually watched uh, a Terminator movie in its entirety. I had mm. watched bit, bits and pieces of it. Um, so I said, nah, I, I haven't really seen it. He's like, oh, you need to watch it. And I say bits and pieces because I don't know how familiar you are with how cable television runs nowadays. Right. Uh, I, I kind of poke fun at it uh, with uh, Josh Aguilar on Twitter because especially like USA Network and, and TNT, they always have every other weekend. It's always like a Marvel movie marathon or a DC movie marathon or a Star Wars marathon yep, or they'll have like Shia LaBeouf's Transformers on repeat for the whole weekend. In the early 2000s, I distinctly remember, you know, these movies, the the Terminator movies being on uh, quite a bit. I remember, like, the Bad Boys movies, the Rush Hour movies, some of the earlier Fast and the Furious movies, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. All of those kinds of action movies were always, like, on USA, TNT, or AMC. So knowing that, uh, my parents and I, every weekend, would do our grocery shopping on a Sunday. We would always pick up a copy of the Sunday newspaper, and in the Sunday newspaper, they would have the 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 TV guide, the TV catalog that had like all of the channel listings, and and it goes by hour by hour of what's going to be on on, on certain right. channels. So I, I made it a point. I said, okay, I'm gonna you know get the newspaper. I, I immediately opened it up. I pulled out the the TV guide catalog, and I was looking through, and I said, okay, boom, right there, uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day is going to be on on a Sunday. I'm like. AMC at like 4 p.m. or something like that. So I set time aside. I was upstairs in my room. I was checking the clock like every 30 minutes. Okay, what time is it? Okay, I still got time. Playing some games. Looked at the clock. Okay, still got time. Four o'clock came around. Boom, switched the channel and I was on board and I was instantly hooked. I was, um, I fell in love with it and it was kind of on par. It was, it was really on point with everything that I had already been exposed to up to that point because, uh, as we've talked about, by this age, or actually by the magical age of four or five, I had already been exposed to like wrestling and Mortal Kombat and uh, even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, especially the second one that you just covered uh, not too long ago. So this was really in that same realm, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that I watched this one before the first one because this one kind of had that like that lighter, you know, 
making the Terminator more like a superhero kind of vibe mm. as opposed to the first one, which was more of like a like a thriller. He was basically the main villain, which like I think was a serial killer kind. It was basically like a horror movie. For the he, it would have it would have freaked me out a little bit more if I had watched the first one before the second one. Oh, so I'm, sure. I'm actually glad that I watched this one and then re- went back and rewatched the first one because doing that was kind of like. Uh, you know, they, you know, it's kind of creepy, but it doesn't matter anyway because you know he's going to turn into a good guy. So yeah. that's that's basically my earliest memory for that. Um, I like that you you brought up the whole cable television, and this is a, such a thing why I have such a stigma for how they play movies nowadays. It's right, basically all the same stuff. Like the the younger generation listening to this, and if they listen to you saying, like, "Well, that's how you watch Terminator 2, but that's how. Us growing up, like, in the 90s and the 2000s, like, that's how we sometimes discovered movies was through cable TV. Um, Absolutely. My, mine wasn't through cable TV. Mine was – my earliest memories of Terminator 2 was uh, my dad had converted our garage to a home entertainment thing. So he, oh, he cool. got the whole works. Big screen TV. You know, he set up all the speakers on the walls and all that stuff. And uh, – I remember when he brought home the first ever like DVD players that were being made. Like mm-hmm. it was like they were first making. It was like holy shit, a movie on a disc. Like this is incredible. And one of the first movies that he bought was Terminator Two: Judgment Day, and I had never seen it. And when he put it on, oh my god! And still to this day, it's one of the loudest movies like I've ever heard in my life. Like everything is so crisp. Um, if you ever get the chance, folks, if you're listening to this and you've never seen it, hit pause. I promise you, go rent that movie. And uh, if you have even on just a regular TV, you don't have to have surround speakers or anything like that. I promise you, the sound is so crisp and so loud. But that was my earliest memory of it. So it was like ninety six, ninety seven, and I was just like you. I saw that one first before seeing the original. Mm-hmm. And I know my dad bought the original. I think a few months later on DVD, and totally different movie. Um, and, and we'll get into the aspect of like how much it changed from like the original into the sequel. But yeah, those are my earliest memories of it. And just like you, Terminator 3 was my first experience in a theater for a Terminator movie. So the hype for that one was unbelievable coming off of, of that movie. But yeah, those are those are my earliest memories. And man, it was just one of the best ex- movie experiences I've ever had in my life. I, I, I think it goes to, to say a lot as, as you were making that point of how, you know, in, in those early days, that's how we discovered some of these uh, amazing movies, especially if you didn't really have the opportunities to, to go out and, and watch them in the theater, um, you, you know, just for just for the sake of, of budget wise and, and money and, and being able to, to go out and do things. But not only that, but I mean, realistically, what opportunity could I have had to go see Terminators 1 and 2 in the theaters because mm-hmm. I wasn't even... I don't even think I was thought about yet, much less conceived or born to actually go see it. So um, I like that point that you made. Um, a lot of the days, it's m- much of the same old stuff with the Marvel movies. And, and the difference between now and then is like, yeah, you can watch the Marvel movies on TV, but you can also watch the Marvel movies on Disney Plus right. or any other streaming service. It's like everything nowadays is so much more easily accessible than they were back in the day. So it was it was actually super cool to, to be able to get a hold of something like that and, and to see it in that format and in that being the way to discover it. Yeah, I, I remember Terminator 2 being a lot... Um, I think it was on... I want to say it was on Showtime. I could be wrong, but, you know, there were times where I did have HBO at home as a kid. Sometimes we didn't have it, you know, depending on what type of season it was. Uh, but I remember this one being on Showtime, and I was like, man, I really want to see it, but just never had the chance, but up until 97 when we finally got DVDs and all that stuff, uh, the ball started rolling on that. Um, 
I did have the toys growing up, so I had the the badass like Arnold Schwarzenegger action figure. I used to have this giant one that was like a, I mean, it, it was like the size of a Barbie, but it wasn't a Barbie. It was this cool like big figure of the Terminator, and it would it had half cyborg and half human, and I would do this thing where after I'd see the movies, like it'd be like you'd see him bloodied up, and I'd get like a red marker and bloody him right. up whenever he'd get into battle or whatever, and I was doing all my stupid you know toy shit as a kid. But yeah, I remember having all that stuff, and I don't know, maybe maybe my my mom still has some of my toys from when I was a kid back home. I, I'll have to ask her to look through it, see if there's any of the Terminator stuff. But yeah, I had all that growing up, so this movie's been like in my life for a very long time, or just the character in general. Um, you ready to dive into this stuff? Let's get into it. All right, buddy. So what we're gonna do here, and this, since this is your first time on the show, so I'm gonna read you the synopsis for this movie, and this. Synopsis is given to us by BoxOfficeMojo.com, which is powered by IMDb. It's like all together now. It used to be like separate entities, but they're all together now. And uh, I use this website to check all the box office numbers. It's incredible. If you're ever interested in looking into any of that stuff, folks, like please go check it out. There's a lot of stuff you can dive into. Um, IMDb, I use it all the time when I'm watching movies because there's always somebody that pops up and I'm like, who the hell is that? Or I know that person, their name's on the tip of my tongue. So that app is perfect for any movie watcher, and especially if you want to know who actors are, because it happens all the time. But anyways, here's the synopsis, Brandon. You can uh, agree with it. You can add to it. You could say this is not an accurate description. You could say it's a perfect description, you know, whatever the case is. But here it is. A cyborg, identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor, must now protect her 10-year-old son, John Connor, from a more advanced and powerful cyborg. What do you think of that synopsis? I like it. Uh, it's very short, sweet, and to the point, and very in tune with what the actual movie itself really is. Uh, there's really not a whole lot that I would add in terms of like descriptors without giving too much of the movie away. This is kind of the perfect little you know teaser description for it. Uh, yeah, very on point. I I don't I don't really disagree with that at all. Um, let's talk about the first movie real quick. Uh, so the first one was in 1984. So this movie comes like almost a decade later, like seven years later. So it's like, whoa, like right back in the day, like you wouldn't wait too, too long on sequels. Like, you know, the Rocky movies would wait maybe two, three years, but you're talking almost a decade long. So um, I think he was James Cameron, who's the writer, director of both of these movies. I wonder if he was waiting for the the technology to catch up, because even then this movie's like super ahead of its time with all of the special effects and graphics. Oh, Absolutely. Um, um, but what's your first takeaway as far as like the look of it? Like, it just looks very futuristic, even back in 1991, and even to this day, it still looks futuristic. Absolutely, absolutely. And when I when I did my rewatch of it uh, last night, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, compared to the first movie, it was super night and day. And I and I watched this. I don't have any kind of special TV. I mean, it's a it's a 55 inch, just a standard uh, flat screen. So. I watched it on uh, on my physical media, which is a you know I just watched it on a regular Blu-ray. Think, think about how crazy that sounds. I watched it just on a regular Blu-ray. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago where Blu-rays were like the special things to have because DVDs were the norm and VHSs were barely hanging on by a thread. But now it's like DVDs are slowly but surely becoming obsolete because Blu-rays are kind of becoming the norm. And now you have 4K, ultra high def 4K, and then of course you have everything on a streaming platform. Right. So watching it on a Blu-ray, the visuals look just as amazing as they did 
back in 2003 when I watched it just on a standard, you know, boxy television. Mm. Um, and everything seemed so much more realistic. Uh, the opening scenes where they're, they're in 2029, uh, Los Angeles, and it's like the war between the, the soldiers and the machines. And they, they played that scene to open up the first Terminator movie, but that one seemed a little more, it seemed very animated, almost to the point where it was borderline cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. This was very straightforward to, to being, you know, you could actually see that in real life. Um, and it's so captivating and, and breathtaking. It's so weird though, like, cause you watch the first Terminator and like, you could totally tell it's an 80s movie. Yeah. Like, just the look of it, the, the soundtrack and all that stuff, like, it's total, total 80s cheese. But you watch this movie and you can release, you can release it now in 2021. And I think it's one of those movies that's become timeless and it's aged well, like that you can release it in any year and it's, it's like, wow, like it's, it's so up to date. I don't know. What do you, what do you feel about that? Yeah, there's definitely there's especially with the technology that we have nowadays, um, you know, you could definitely do whatever you would need to 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 give it that extra sense of of realism and, and give it that extra spark of, you know, sup- looking super crystal clear and, and crisp and, and authentic. But you don't really need to do that much with with this movie. Everything already plays out as is and, and works really super well and, and holds up and stands the test of time. Uh, we'll we'll go back on this subject as far as like it aging thirty years later. We'll we'll talk about that towards the end. Um, let's go back to nineteen ninety one. Let's go to the box office numbers for a little bit. Let's talk about this. So this movie had a budget of a hundred and two million. Now, in today's money, like that would probably be like this probably be like be a three hundred million dollar budget because that's like what we're looking at for Marvel movies. Right. Those are like the range, like those big block action blockbusters get that type of um finance for it so 102 million to us now looks like nothing but back then it's like oh crap like they're gonna spend a whole lot of dough for this movie it better like better look good and sure enough like the the 102 dollars was very well spent uh with the uh especially the the t1000 character played by robert patrick and the Mm -hmm. effects that they went on went in here and if you follow james cameron's career he kind of messed with this technology a little bit in a movie called The Abyss. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a movie that came out like in the late 80s, probably a little bit after Terminator. I've heard of it. And uh, it's about this underwater team, and they meet like this alien-type creatures. And the formation of it, you see kind of like the beginnings of the T-1000. Right. And obviously it was still like late 80s, so it still kind of looks like the technology's not there yet. But by the time we hit Terminator 2, it's like, holy shit, like... He really like spent his money and did like his research and he's still the standard today. Like I know a lot of people like to give him crap for, you know, Avatar and even sometimes Titanic sometimes is kind of a punchline, but the movies that he's done throughout his career, if you really look at it, he's really like influential and I'm really looking forward to see what he's gonna do with Avatar too. As far as like what's the next stage of like type of like technology because man, Terminator two to this day still beats out a shitload of the movies that have come out since then including the sequels after this one like nothing is matched as far as like the special effects at least in my opinion what do you feel on that i I think and and this will probably be something that will be addressed later on one of the one of the biggest things for me is as you had stated these sequels they they wait a whole almost a whole decade before coming out because after this one the third one again coming out in in 2003 that's that's an entire 12 years yeah 
And then six years later, I think is was uh, Salvation, which was the next sequel after Rise of the Machines. Mm. So he he waits. They wait a long time to to really produce these uh, these sequels. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. I lost my point. Uh, well, the the key ingredient that they missed in a lot of these sequels was James Cameron. Like he didn't direct the the ones any of the ones after this. I, I know he probably oversaw some stuff, but. They didn't have his magic touch, and I, mean, I, I, think, I remember. I think he's just one of the most influential directors in the history of film. And another thing, I remember what I was going to say. Now, another thing that surprises me with these box office numbers too, and, and the fact that they they were so bold, or James Cameron was so bold with this budget, is because, again, looking at that period of time, going back and doing my rewatch, uh, going back and doing my rewatch of Terminator One. When you go back and rewatch that movie, to me, at the end of the movie, that's a wrap. Yeah. Like, like if I didn't know that this movie had existed, if I had actually just went and watched the first Terminator movie, you know, she she gets away. Uh, Linda Hamilton, uh, Sarah Connor, she's you know she's crawling underneath that that scaffolding or wherever they are, and it's like half a robot. It's just the the torso and the arms that right. are like slowly but surely crawling, trying to grab at her, and then the whatever it is, the elevator or whatever that that comes down and and, and crushes the the machine, right. and then it just deactivates and it's it's destroyed. Like that's a wrap. And then at the very end, spoilers. I mean, I don't really feel bad because this movie is well over 30 years old. So if you haven't seen the first Terminator, I... Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But, <laughs> you know, at the end of the movie, she she rides off into the sunset in Mexico. And uh, that little boy snaps a photograph of her, which actually happens to be the photograph that her son in the future gives to his would-be dad mm-hmm. that goes back in time to protect her. So, you know, pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. You're starting to put everything back. And it's like, okay, that's that's cool. Like... That's that's the end of the movie. Like I would have been okay with that, but then you re-release the sequel, and it's like, huh? If, if I would, if it was me, if I was alive during that time in that era, I would have, I would have never thought that uh, it would, it would have made sense to make a sequel because the movie ended the, the way movie, that it yeah. did. But then you start getting into like, uh, you know, you start getting into like time travel theory, which will be something that I'll, I'll say for later on as well. I also think too at the time that. During that era, you had your your Bruce Willis's, you had your your Jean Claude Van Damme uh, and uh, Sylvester Stallone, who were building themselves to be these big action stars, like these big action movie heroes. Right. And I don't know whose decision it was to 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 make that, but it, it might have been Arnold, it might have been his his agent, a combination of the two. But somebody somewhere decided, you know, let's throw Arnold's name in the mix. But you can't really have Arnold be an action hero if he was a straight up heel in the first movie. So I think they had to find a way to, to spin it and make him look like the good guy in in a movie such as this for Terminator two, that way he can. And I know that he had, you know, several iconic roles as far as like being kindergarten cop. uh, What was it? The the Christmas movie that he did jingle all the way where he was, he's turbo man. Uh, There was uh, predator, which was another one of those classic 80 80s movie. But I think this movie itself really set the, set the standard for his career and really, put him on the map with those big name action stars oh for sure um even i think to this day like some consider him like the top like of the cream of the crop as far as like the right action heroes i disagree because i must i'm a stallone guy but uh you know I, I do give arnold his props i think he's in he's been in the better movies i think maybe stallone has the more iconic characters as yeah. far as like throughout the career but if you look at the movies, like some of these, like that Arnold's been is like, oh shit, like well, then again, he, the directors he's working with mm-hmm. is incredible. From a wrestling standpoint, I want to ask you real quickly: Did Arnold do a good job as a heel and as a face? Because there's some that can pull off 
both are only one of each. Like, is, do you think he pulled off being a heel in the first one pretty good, and then a baby face in the second? I think so because solely due to the fact that if, if you go back and rewatch the first one, he didn't really have a whole lot of speaking lines. Like mm. they were, I mean, he didn't really have a whole lot of speaking lines in this one, to be honest. Either uh, they were just like a lot of quick, simple one-liners. Yeah. Um, but the fact that in in the, the late eighties are in, I don't know if you noticed this, but I definitely noticed this in my rewatches. But in the late eighties. Arnold was still kind of like he still had his bodybuilding physique, so yeah, he yeah. was like super huge and, and jacked, and that kind of gave him more of like that that menacing presence, right? Especially if you have this full grown man just sprinting after you, right? Um, and and that to me that was enough. And, and again, as, as you and I had talked about it, that movie was pretty pretty freaky, you know, w- yeah. watching it for the first time. This movie, he comes back and he still looks good. He's still pretty lean, but you can kind of tell that he's, you know, the gear that he was on back then. He's not really on it so yeah. much, so he's kind of starting to deflate a little bit. He looks like he looks um, like a movie star now. Not yeah, exactly. So much a he's, bodybuilder. He's, he's he's focusing more on on his Hollywood career than his, his right, bodybuilding right. career. So, um, still looks pretty good. And and yeah, the the lines that he puts out and, and the way that he presents himself and carries himself and uh, just really presents this character really makes a believable good guy like you you can in in the way they explain it in the movie too like you could actually believe like oh yeah i'm i was reprogrammed by you you know to come and protect you yeah. now so it's it it's a good i could i could see both of those turns i can i can see that being a good a good thing he plays it but very well both sides um cuz you think about somebody like stallone like he can play the good guy role like he could play the good terminator i could see him doing that yeah. i don't know if he could pull off the bad guy i haven't seen stallone play a bad guy like I don't think ever. I mean, I'm sure he has. I mean, I think he was in the Spy Kids movie, but that doesn't count. But that just shows you the duality of Schwarzenegger. He's able to pull that off. And, um, yeah, no, it, it's incredible. And imagine back in 1991, like, you, you're watching this. You're going in for the first time. It's like, wait, he was the bad guy. Yeah. Like, why does he look the same? I know that we find out more in the in the sequels later, like, that they all looked like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why the um, – you can come back as a good guy or bad guys because they all look the same. But uh, yeah, if I wasn't going into the theater nights and I didn't want to be like, this makes no sense. Like he was a total villain. But, yeah. But you buy it like just the way the way the like in the first few moments of the movie is like is at that bar and they, they sets the tone like how like it's a little bit more lighthearted than the first movie. So I mean he he makes that turn real easily and and instantly likable um, in this uh, iteration of Terminator. Uh, let's go back to the box office. So yeah, budget was 102 million. This opens on July 3rd, 1991, um, to 31 million. So as I've stated on past episodes uh, of this spinoff series, to me, like the the bar in the 90s was like if your movie opened like above 20 million, it's like holy shit. Like I meant your movie's like a hit. Um, but 31 million, that's going like 10 million more in 1991. So this is a huge deal. So this is a bona fide hit. Uh, it goes on to gross 205 million domestic. Again, that's nothing to sneeze at in 1991. That's, that's like a giant blockbuster. Um, to us, it's nothing now, but again, you gotta look through the lens of the 90s. It goes on to make 312 internationally overseas. And again, this, I'm reading off numbers because this movie's been released a couple of times. Throughout its uh, 30-year run, and it's got a worldwide total of 520, so almost half a billion for this movie alone. And to this day, 
no Terminator movie has come close to matching the box office success of this one. I just goes to show you like how much it stood the test of time and how much it's it's hard to really top a good sequel like this one because this is one of those rare ones where it's like part two is better than the original. At least, right? In my opinion, do you agree? I I totally agree, one hundred percent. Because there's a lot of people. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with film Twitter. Uh, it's a very interesting place. There's a lot of people that do like the first movie more than the second one. I think just in terms of, uh, I guess, a lot of film Twitter people are horror fans. Right. For, so for the most part, so I can understand that. But, man, you talk want to talk about, like, just landmark and special effects and how you do an action movie, how you incorporate character development and story. Like, this is, like, a true, like, trifecta of, like, movie making. Here. Absolutely. Um so yeah, thirty-one million opening weekend, and that's just incredible for this movie. And it has a huge like summer run. I think it was number one for a while. Um, I want to talk about the critical reception of this movie. Um, you mentioned you watched Cisco and Ebert catching up on, uh, I, on your I, research for this. I did as part of my homework. I did my rewatch, and then immediately afterwards, right before going to bed, I I did a quick uh, YouTube search because I. Up until listening to this spinoff of of your podcast, I had honestly I'd never even heard of Siskel and Ebert. I'm not f- familiar with them at all, but I knew that this was going to be coming up. So uh, to prepare myself, I actually did a quick little YouTube search. Um, which, ladies and gentlemen out there, if if you you know ever want to see a review of of any movie from that time period of like the late '80s, early '90s, and so on, uh, you can on- honestly just Google or. YouTube search Siskel and Ebert and I guarantee you they'll have something on there and it was it's not very long they they do reviews uh, I think the one that I watched they were doing reviews for different movies so this was like a quick you know little five minute watch that I that I saw yeah they, they get really into the nuts and bolts of it like you read reviews now I don't know like how much you're into that stuff but if you read reviews now for movies like sometimes like some of these critics or quote-unquote critics really they really try to dissect everything too much in terms of like, I don't know, just really overthinking it. I love Cisco and Ebert because they they'll nitpick at stuff, but for the most part, if they enjoy a movie, like they'll tell you why they liked it or if they didn't like it, like right. they'll tell you why, but not like super like dissect it. Um, they were both in agreement. They really loved this movie. It was a strong thumbs up. They both thought it was a fantastic action spectacular blockbuster. Um, I think I forgot if it was. I think it was Cisco that enjoyed the, the interaction between. Uh, John Connor and Schwarzenegger and like the human element of it and yes. the whole like he's like what an interesting way in the story to mention like you know how not to kill people like it's the child teaching the machine that they were they were talking about the uh, having that having the aspect of a father figure for for John Connor and, yeah. and they even address that in the movie itself too but he even makes the point where not only was it <clears throat> not only was it Arnold who was being the father figure to, to John Connor's character but it was also John Connor that was kind of playing the father figure too, as as you had you know the right. point that you were making where it was like teaching him, you know, to be more to have more of that human element to to feel more uh, sympathy and not to kill people and you know teaching him all of the the slang and, and terminology and and you, know, you gotta you gotta talk like a person, man. You, yeah. you can't be so like straight up and proper all the time. You can't say affirmative or some shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> you can't just go around saying affirmative. <laughs> you got to say no problemo. Although I would probably say affirmative in, in this century. I don't know. I, 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 I do it all the time. <laughs> or negative. Negative. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So 
Rotten Tomatoes is something a lot of people use. And I've seen, I work at a movie theater, and there's some times where I'll overhear guests when they're deciding on a movie to watch. They'll be like, oh, this movie has like a 60-some percent on Rotten Tomatoes. To me, that's not the be-all, end-all of, uh, you know, critics and deciding on whether or not a movie is good or not. But I like to look just to see where the critics and the audience are at. So this movie is like a total trifecta. So that's how you know it's like a huge hit. So this scored a 93% with critics. So that's certified fresh. That's like, you know, almost perfect. Obviously, it's not 100, but it's right up there. Um, and that's out of 80. That's only out of 82 reviews. So, again, you go back to 1991. There's not as many critics as there are now. Now you find mm-hmm. like over 300 critics everywhere, including right. online. But back then, like you, you had a good core, and they all pretty much liked the movie. But so did the audience, ninety four percent. So they're pretty much evened up. And then the box office, it made all that money. So that's what I call the trifecta. So it's a total huge hit. There's only certain movies that that can do this, and that's how you know it's, you got like a really good like movie on your hands. So that ninety four percent, that's out of like two hundred and fifty thousand ratings on this website for this movie. So huge. Huge critical success, box office success, and the movie's still relevant today. So I don't know much more we can elaborate on the uh, criticism on it. Um, I could read the little consensus that the critics got for Rotten Tomatoes, and it's, it's this. T2 features thrilling action sequences and eye-popping visual effects, but what takes this sci-fi action landmark to the next level is the depth of the human and cyborg characters. You like that? I, I absolutely do. I love that. And that's actually one of the uh, – going back to the points that Siskel and Ebert were talking about, that's one of the things that they found very fond of it as well. Um, I, I want to take a step back, and it blows my mind when you think about – because you had said 93% of, of critic ratings, but critics were only like 92 or, or something you had mentioned. Yeah, it was only like 80-some. If you think about it, 94% though from the audience, and this movie made $30 million in its thirty-one million in its opening weekend. Think about what that translates to into like yeah. in, into people-wise. You know, movies nowadays. I go watch a movie by myself, and just a standard movie ticket is like. I mean, after taxes and everything, plus I book online, so there's that booking fee. So minus all of that, a standard movie ticket is like fifteen bucks. Yeah, yeah. Something in like the that. early '90s, it was like what seven bucks, maybe, maybe five cheaper. bucks for for a matinee yeah. or something. So. Think about how many people must have gone to see that in 1991 and, and think about the number of times that a single person might have gone back and rewatched that oh, movie. Yeah. Um, so that 94% thing, wow, is, is, is insane. But, uh, going back to the, the cyborg and, and human relationship, uh, and just the chemistry between the actors, uh, all together, especially with, uh, Schwarzenegger and, and Hamilton, Linda Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, having her to adapt from, you know, this is, this is the, the, the prototype or this is the uh, the model that came back in time and tried to kill her mm. and now she has to be okay and she has to cope with the fact that okay he's he's a good guy now and he's protecting my son and she does a really good job of that uh the relationship between john connor and and the terminator like this kid you know he, as as a kid if i was in his situation i would be i'd be losing my shit for for lack of a better term pardon pardon my french but he was just like he he had a, a brief moment of freaking out, and then he was kind of just like, "Oh wait, I realized that everything that my mom was telling me, I thought she was a total nut job. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's all like it's all true, and and now he's just buddy buddy with this you know with this cyborg that mm. like like it's absolutely nothing. Like he's just a regular person. 
Uh, and so the adaptation of that and, and the way that they play it out was just phenomenal. Yeah. All right. So now that we've tackled the critical and the box office, is there anything more you want to add to that stuff or we can really dive into the other things if you want? Um, I'm not really sure what we're what's going to I don't want to beat a dead horse, so I don't really. I, I think I'll hold some of my thoughts here with uh, what we're about to cover. That way, I'm not constantly okay. repeating myself. Well, it's basically the, this next part of the show is where we really just dive into what we really loved about the movie. Okay. They could be little things or whatever. So I'll let you go first. What's one thing you liked or didn't like about this movie? But I'm sure it's going to be all positive. So for the most part, it is going to be all positive, and, and I'm glad I really saved my thoughts. So one of the things that I that I really liked about it, and we've touched up on it enough, I think, to this point, is just how visually and aesthetically pleasing that this movie is, especially for the time frame that it comes from. You, wa- you watch it nowadays. Um, you know, I watched it when I did my rewatch, and so did you. And it's almost as if I was watching it as if this movie was produced, like, today. Yeah. Uh, the The visual graphics are so ahead of its time. Uh, this movie actually went on to, to win, uh, I think a handful of Oscars, uh, not only for, for having the best visual effects, but having the best makeup and also having the best sound effects as well. Cause yeah. you had, you had touched up on that as far as this being a really loud movie. So this, this movie got its, this movie definitely got its money's worth and, and it was money well spent and they deserved every accolade that, that they had brought in from it. But yeah, I just, I simply cannot get over the how visually appealing that it looks and how i could actually look at arnold schwarzenegger and and believe that he was actually part cyborg like part robot underneath his you know underneath his human tissue and skin as opposed to going back and rewatching the first movie which i granted was almost a decade prior but you watch some of the scenes and it's kind of like they're tiptoeing between trying to to give it a sense of realism Mm -hmm. but also looking very animated to the point where it's like cartoonish like you you look at arnold schwarzenegger in in the first terminator movie and there's he he reaches a point where he's so beat up and he's like got half of his human face and he's got (laughs) half of his robot face and there are scenes where like it looks real and then there are scenes where he looks super animatronic like you were look like you were watching something out of a ninja turtles movie like he almost looks like one of those characters but in this movie he's straight up they they keep him to the point where it's it's super believable and it's super realistic, and that's that's one of the things that I love about it. Yeah, but to touch on that real quickly, number I was watching re, uh, part one, I think a night before I rewatched part two last night, and it's a very funny movie. But in terms of like how a lot of that stuff hasn't aged well, the story is good because you know it's the Terminator story, but the effects and all that stuff, like I was laughing at a lot of that stuff, like. There's a part in that movie where I think after he goes through fire where Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have any eyebrows. And he's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, I could not help but laugh. Like, it was menacing, but also, like, freaking hilarious at the same time. And, you know, again, he's taking out his eyeball in that one scene, and it's, like, total animatronic. And it's just, I mean, I get it. For its time, I'm sure it was, like, oh, wow, this is, like, incredible. But, you know, compared to T2, there's stuff in this where it's, like, you can't even tell, like, that this is from 1991 or, mm-hmm. or whenever they filmed it, um, so it just goes to show you how much much better James Cameron got at developing like the technology and and all the effects and all that stuff. So yeah, that's, that's a very good very good point that, that you made. And uh, um, I guess we can jump into my first thing. Uh, it's a, it's a very small detail, but I love these little things um, that stand out. Um, there's a lot of guns in this movie. Um, 
but one in particular, and it's in the first chase sequence where the T-1000 is going after John Connor, and he's chasing him on that big truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the gun that Schwarzenegger has, which is like, it's a shotgun, but I don't know what he modifies it to where he, he's able to flip it yeah, and yeah, it yeah. cocks, and I'm like, that is the coolest fu- I mean, I'm not like this gun crazy person, but... As seen it in a movie, I was like, holy shit, like that's the coolest fucking gun I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I don't know what he puts on it that he's able to maneuver it around and it cocks itself. And I'm like, God damn, I want I wish I could have something like that. Or if I'm ever in a movie, an action movie, please director or whoever, give me a gun like that. Tucker, if I'm in your next action movie, give me a a, <laughs> All right. a, a gun that's similar to that and I'll sling it and I'll I'll try to do it as cool as Arnold. Probably won't, but that's one of my favorite things about this movie is just small little detail, but that cool little gun. What are your thoughts on that that gun? It's uh so I'm not really a big gun aficionado <laughs> either. Uh but you know, playing I guess the amount of video games that I've played in my lifetime, uh it's it's more of a it's more of a sawed off shotgun. So it's 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 just about a little bit longer than your standard uh-huh. like handgun pistol. Uh so it's not necessarily anything that's pump action, like you don't actually have to pump it to you know, like like a standard shotgun. So I think the way that you you cock it and reload it is, it's it's kind of semi accurate. So the way that he was doing uh, it, I don't know how much I believe. Again, I'm not a really big gun guy, so I could be absolutely wrong. I don't know how much I believe that you you could do like a full 360 rotation <laughs> and then just be ready to shoot like the way that he did with one hand. But it is possible to, you know, to handle those things single handedly, and that's that's exactly the the purpose of them is because they were they were shortened in length, but they still pack a pretty powerful range and a, and a powerful shot. So. But as a movie aesthetic, it's like so perfect. And again, this goes back to how you mentioned about the sound, like everything about like the sound of that gun, like from when it's flipped and when it's shot. And again, all these gunshots, like when somebody gets shot in this movie, like you hear it, like oh yeah, you can hear the like it's just so crisp. And it's something that's aged like such like a fine wine. And I'm not advocating violence or anything like that. But you want to talk about a standard for how do you do an action picture? This is like top three for me for sure. Um, what else do you like about this movie, Brandon? Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna kind of make a sandwich out of this. So before I get to the next thing that I like, I'm actually going to point on something that I didn't like. And it's not, okay. it's not necessarily anything that's going to be like – I mean it shouldn't be anything that makes or breaks the movie. This is just kind of like a little – nitpick detail and this was also kind of something that when i watched it for the first time as a nine-year-old i kind of thought like what the hell but it's that scene where uh right before sarah connor uh breaks herself out of the uh, the psychiatric ward where she like gets out of all of her restraints the the nurse or whatever he was that's that's, the (laughs) nurse that that's helping her like that's (laughs) taking her to her room and that's like like strapping her down and stuff and then all of a sudden it goes she's like She's like almost in a trance like kind of sedated. like state. Yeah. yeah. And he just comes down and you think like, okay, is he going to like try to kiss her or something? And he just straight up just licks the side <laughs> of her face. And I'm like, and granted he gets his in the end, which I'm super ecstatic about. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what you get. But as a nine year old and then going back and rewatching it, I'm like, what was the point of that? Why that, that was totally unnecessary. That didn't even need to be in there. Like, I, I could already tell that you were a jerk because of the way that you were treating her, like forcing like the medicine, forcing the medicine down her throat, like earlier on in the movie, and whacking her with a nightstick and stuff, and just you know doing all that ad activity. But 
what was what was the point of licking the side of her face like what kind of satisfaction did you get from that i, I, I don't know that kind of made me cringe like yeah. not only not only as as me now but just me as a nine-year-old was like what now, now that i think about it yeah like that scene is very like okay like if it's to point out what a piece of shit this guy is like it's overdoing it or is it james cameron just saying here's here's the only little bit of sex that we're gonna add to the movie this is yeah that and then the rest is like because there's none of this movie is like quote unquote like sexy or anything like no that. no not at all like in the first movie there's a sex scene or whatever which right we don't really get that nowadays in movies anyway but whatever but no yeah it's just such a weird like little antidote it just makes that guy if it's meant to make him creepier than it worked it did its job um yeah just <laughs> now i'm thinking about it it's such a weird thing yeah whatever <laughs> that was that was my only dislike um and then i have my last one of my last points uh, but if you have something that you want to go off uh, of. Yeah, let me go before you go. Okay. Just cause, um, I love how there's incredible wrestling bumps in this movie. Oh, There's yeah. incredible fight sequences and stunts where there's actual people doing it. Like nowadays it'd be just CGI'd or, or whatever. Um, a couple of ones that I want to name. Uh, the first one is bet- the first fight between uh, the T. What is it? The T101? T one thousand, T one thousand, but the the Schwarzenegger character—that's what the oh he's a he's a Cyberdyne Cyberdyne model one hundred one one hundred one. It's when they're they're trying to get a hold of John Connor and they're both fighting each other down the hall, and they both throw each other through the walls. Like right. that's such a wrestling like one hundred one backstage segment. I love that. And then he throws him through the window. Obviously, that classic like, and he's like in that trance, and he's just there on the ground like like nothing. They did it in the first movie. It's kind of an homage to it a little bit. Yeah. And then when they're helping Sarah Connor escape out of the psych ward. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Schwarzenegger just throwing around these guys. Just <laughs> ragdolling people. That the, the first guy that he throws straight up into the wall. And, like, he takes this incredible bump, like, straight head to the window. And the other guy gets thrown through the window door. Just awesome bumps in this movie from everybody. Um, yeah, and uh, even in the final fight scene, like, where Schwarzenegger's getting thrown around off, like, yeah. ledges or whatever. It's, like, just awesome Mick Foley like bumps and uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it rewatching it. What would you think? Any, it, any bumps that I'm missing? That no, that you, you hit you hit the nail on the head right, with all of those, and and it kind of tailors to the the points that we were talking about as far as like having those sound effects, and you could really hear the yeah. like like people being slammed into you know to guardrails or like the the window that he that he throws or even like the bump that the lady takes when she whacks him across the face with the cast and you, you hear the cast yeah. make contact with the sunglasses so you hear that little break that little shatter yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you just straight up just one hand just throws her to the floor but you hear her make contact with the ground like super hard and she slides across mm-hmm. the floor um really fantastic job with with all of those sound effects and, and the, the the realisms that that they go through even when he has um the uh the the grenade launcher when he's going through when uh this is the point of the movie where they make it to the the Cyberdyne, system. Uh, the Cyberdyne Systems building, and he gets off the elevator and he clears out. You know, he's trying to clear out the area because they're they're kind of trapped in an elevator because they're trying they're they're getting smoked out by the police. And he's just uh, he's got the grenade launcher and he's not killing anybody, but he shoots the gun and you hear the thunk and then you hear the impact from you hear the impact from the you know the grenade making contact with the human body. It's just like yeah, like it's like like you you hear that. Um, Super well done, very spectacular. It's incredible sound effect work. Because um, I've seen like behind the scenes stuff on like, you know, 
people do different things as far as like how to get sounds made, like on what they what they think a punch should sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would love to see. I'm sure there's something out there on the behind the scenes of Terminator Two where where they're going into the sounds. I would love to see what they use to like create these sounds for these gunshots and the bullets and the whatever type of trank or what, what, what are those like pellet guns that he was shooting the like you just mentioned the thunk like, oh yeah, yeah what yeah. type of gun is that like uh just incredible sound effects but yeah again yeah that was one of my favorite things just all the incredible wrestling bumps that were happening in this movie and, and i just wish more movies would go back to doing this type of practical stunt work in fights and even in gunfights like just real people like getting shot at whether it's i know it's like fake bullets or whatever but still like i love seeing like real people in in these sequences as opposed to just being on a green screen and you know it could be like matrix reloaded like it's not keanu fighting a hundred people although that would be cool to see but yeah yeah the way they just do it now it's just it's not the same anymore but uh I, don't know. I guess we'll get to your final point. So my final point, the the thing that I love about this movie, besides the the just the movie itself, uh, three simple words, Arnold freaking Schwarzenegger, man. This movie had and this movie and Arnold Schwarzenegger had some of the biggest impacts uh, in in pop culture that have stood the test of time that we see today. I mean, this movie's uh, use of special effects and visuals. Uh, the use of time travel and, and how they kind of play around with different timelines and multiverse theory, which is what we see a lot of nowadays in, in mm. these movies. Um, but Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger, man, I, I tell you this uh, again, he's, he's trying to establish himself as, as a big, one of the biggest action stars, if not the biggest action stars of this era and perhaps of all time. And I think this movie is the one that really put him on the map that, that really set that, that tone for him. Mm. And again, I'm not taking anything away from his other performances or any of his other iconic roles, like the ones that I had mentioned previously, but think about all of the things that, that this movie has done. I mean, when, when you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point in the, in the early mid 2000s, he was the governor of California. What was, what was the term that was, that was coined when he was that? He was the governor. Governor. Uh, that, I think that came from this movie and I think that came more specifically from this movie as opposed to the franchise because this movie was the one that made him out to be the the hero yeah. as opposed to, to the villain or the va- uh, the bad guy. Uh this movie or because of movies like this we have uh the uh I don't know if it's still there or not but I remember back in 2008 which is still a, a huge chunk of time from when this movie was released uh, they have the exhibit at uh, Universal Studios Orlando, and it's a it's a 4D show, and and it's really captivating and engaging, and you see the the robots coming out of like a portal, and and they shoot the guns, and it's super loud, but it's amazing. Um, you uh, going back to 2019, the the latest movie Dark Fate came out as a promotion. Uh, the most recent Mortal Kombat video game that came out also that year had a, had a special release for a DLC. And they oh, released. It, right? They released Arnold Schwarzenegger as as the Terminator, as a playable character in a Mortal Kombat video game. Th- think about the video game Mortal Kombat, and and you could play as as the Terminator in this game. I want um, I want to stick there real quick. I want to see if you remember this. So, I I was doing a WWE rewatch all throughout the pandemic, and I reached uh, 2015. I think that was the year. I uh, was 
was it? It was the year that Triple H at the yep. The Terminator that, that was when they were in. Uh, that was when they were in San Francisco. Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my next points. Well, yep. not only that, but I don't know if you remember the promotion for Two K was. I don't know if it was Two K fifteen or sixteen, and they did the redid the bar scene in mm-hmm. the commercial. Do you remember? Yes, Page was in it. I remember and that. Dean Ambrose was the villain. The, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me your clothes, whatever. He's like, ah, like just, and it's like that. That that was such a cool homage. It wasn't cheesy in any way, and I'm really. I'm really glad that Schwarzenegger actually took fun in it and actually redid the scene. Exactly, it was incredible. If you look it up, folks, uh, search up like two. I think it's two K sixteen. I want to say, and just look up Schwarzenegger WWE commercial, and they redo the bar scene from Terminator Two, and it's just so well made, and it was such a good homage. And I had to throw that in there, but if you want to discuss it a little bit more, you can. Yeah, no, that was I, I totally agree, that, and that was going to be my next point uh, because even though. I, I, I made a promise to myself I wasn't going to do a whole lot of wrestling talk for this particular episode, but this is the one point that I'm going to make. And, and if you're listening to this, I'm only going to say it once, so I'm going to say it and I'm going to let you marinate with it. But Arnold Schwarzenegger, believe it or not, is in fact a WWE Hall of Famer. All right. He uh, he actually got inducted, I think, either that same year or the other year. And he even, going back to that WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 31, mm-hmm. uh, he was doing that promo for Triple H, and he comes up on the screen. He even says... WrestleMania Judgment Day is here. Like <laughs> he, he references the title of his own movie. Um, so he's done video games, uh, politics, and even in even in the cinematic world, uh, in Terminator Dark Fate, or even like if you go back and watch uh, The Expendables Two, they they pay so much tribute and homage to all of the famous one-liners that came out of this movie, <laughs> like. I can't tell you how many movies I've seen with with Arnold involved in it where he's like, I'll be back. And there's that scene in Termin- uh, excuse me, in Expendables 2 where it's like him and Bruce Willis and they're like in the, the final <laughs> scene, he's like, I'll be back. And Bruce Willis goes, no, 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 you've been back enough. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Like like they, they touch up on it so much. And, and this movie is so, you know, it's so lovable. It's so ahead of its time. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger really set the standard for, for action stars, I, I believe, and everything about his his career everything quotable a- anything that could be referenced i think came out of this one movie and, and that's that's the biggest takeaway that i have from it i want speaking of the pop culture impact or just impact in movies in general um the the get up and look of the terminator in this one you know the black sunglasses the, the black the biker jacket. look yeah do you think he kind of that kind of like influenced like you know you look at the matrix like Neo with the black sunglasses, the black getup. You think that influenced that? John Wick also all dressed in black. Just the way a lot of these other franchises have kind of made their hero like give them that cool look. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like Terminator really set the stage. I, I mean, I can't think of another movie where like someone was influencing other movies like that because that whole like sequence where he's getting the clothes and everything like that's just incredible and the. The music that they chose, like that kind of, the song's kind of dated, but mm-hmm. it still fits. And it's like, man, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. Bad to the bone. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that scene and how it's like been influential? Like just that's, that scene has been spoofed so many times in other movies. It's been like in commercials. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times like I've seen, I've heard bad to the bone and like you think of that scene immediately. I don't know. Just in terms of what I just said, as far as like impacting other characters from other movies in the cool getup like do you think right. it's the standard i i think uh i think it i think it had something to do with it i i don't think i agree with it being like the end-all be-all thing that influences it um 
because even going back to to prior to to this um you have like Arthur Fonzarelli the Fonz mm. and and he always he always rocked a, a black leather jacket sure. or you even think of like in in terms of like the music world like Michael Jackson even though he was you know I think for what was it Thriller when he had like the red biker jacket right right um you know that that was always kind of like you know looking like a biker having you know having like a a black leather jacket and, and blue jeans and sunglasses you know looking like 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 the badass or a cool guy mm. was always kind of the standard or the norm uh this one uh kind of took it to the next level in terms of everything being all black so of course you have the sunglasses and the jacket but then you have you know black shirt combat boots black yeah. black pants and stuff um so it definitely had something to do with it as far as it being the one specific thing that that kind of influenced everything else here on out mm-hmm. i think there were other factors that contributed to it but it, it definitely played a hand for sure especially like um you had mentioned like the matrix but the matrix was more of like he had like a longer kind of trench right. coat kind I, of deal. but i just meant in terms of like all oh, like making the character yeah. like look badass like, i also think of like blade too yeah oh, like that, what that's, wesley that's snipes the, blade mm-hmm. you, you know he had a you know he had kind of like the same get up here where it was mm. all black but it was you know just the simple black leather yeah. jacket and the sunglasses i think that's really what it is i think it's the combo of the the leather jacket and the sunglasses yeah. okay. the the all black exterior was just a nice little touch but i think in terms of like especially for that era like the the late 80s early 90s era mm-hmm. i think that if you wanted to be seen as like somebody that was like iconically cool that that's the look that you wanted to sport you wanted the, the leather jacket and you wanted the sunglasses right. um i guess my last point i think i put out two already uh my last one would be i love the the interaction with edward furlong's uh john connor and of course schwarzenegger mm-hmm. as, as a terminator their their whole connection is incredible uh, the fact that he obeys him is just like it's just as a kid watching that you're like oh man imagine if I had my own Terminator to like right. boss around or whatever um, and even then it still hits all the emotional beats even at the end when he says goodbye to him like you you don't want you know that moment's coming in your multiple rewatches that you've seen but when you get to that point you're like man you don't want him to leave because like fuck and you see you see him all hurt at the end like he doesn't want him to go but he has to and it's like it still hits all those 30 years later and it's like that connection is so strong, and it's what makes it. What it's what makes the the entire movie is that their connection, right? Because um, to me, like God, Linda Hamilton did such a three. I don't, is it three sixty or one eighty from uh, what she was in the first movie? One eighty, I think is it's the like, term. Because had it had been just her, because her she's really intense throughout the whole movie. Oh like, yeah, and like loses it every now and then. It's like you needed that that heart and warmth, and it's funny that it comes from like a machine, and then a well. I wouldn't say he's a total brat, but like you know, he's a he's a snob at some point. In the in, in the beginning, it kind of made him off to be like this this troublemaker kind of yeah. like. But yeah, no, every interaction with them is perfect. Um, you know, even when he calls him out, like after they help the mom out escape, and Linda Hamilton's like, "I didn't need your help. Like I could take care of myself." And he's like starting to cry. And Schwarzenegger's like, "Hey, what's yeah, <laughs> yeah, all your yeah. eyes?" It's like, like hey, what's going on? It's like unintentionally funny. It's just like those small little interactions and you know all the one-liners hit like there's in future terminator movies they try so hard with the one-liners and and try to recreate a lot of the same magic of t2 and it fails but here like every little one-liner is perfect and it's not like oh this is too goofy or too funny it's like it comes at just the right moments in the movie so yeah no their their connection in the whole movie is is incredible to me and still one of the best parts if not the best part of the movie Man, what a what a performance too! Like, I, I want to talk about that really quick. I mean, Lin, Linda Hamilton from from the first Terminator movie, she was like the the sweet, 
damsel in distress, distress yeah. kind of like a she was almost like a like a girl next door type too. I mean, at least that's what I got from the beginning before she started having all of the interactions with the Terminator, and then of course with uh, with Kyle Reese. Um, and then all of a sudden she turns into like they they make her out to be this nut job. She's in the psychiatric ward, but then she's also this total badass that just you know she she wants to rewrite the future on her own and takes matters into her own into her own hands and and even kind of she escape not necessarily escapes but she leaves she leaves everybody behind to go to that uh, to that guy's house miles who you know and you could tell that it was coming too because she's like oh tell me everything about this guy like give yeah. me all of the details and goes to his house and, and and tries to you know tries tries to take care of him right then and there but then of course you kind of see that that human element that she still has that yeah. that that sympathetic side that that still kind of holds her back a little bit um but just that range man totally amazing performance on her end and that's another thing that James Cameron was ahead of the curve with was like a character like that, right? Like you didn't see that at all. And even to this day, you still rarely see it where like that character's like, they could have totally made her still be like a damsel in distress. Mm. They could have made it, they could have sexed it up. You know, she could have been like, you know, wearing like, you know, whatever, you know, stuff to make her look like, I don't know, like Sonya Blade or something like that. They could have more the sexiness of it. Yeah. But now she's like this badass, like, like I wouldn't want to mess with her. Like, I think she would like, break the shit out of my arm for sure like she's totally believable in that role as far as like the physicality of it yeah from like the first moments where you see her like doing pull-ups or whatever i don't know if you've ever seen it but there's actually an extended cut of terminator 2 i actually have it and some of those and kyle reese actually makes a cameo in it the the guy from the first movie like he comes out in that movie and uh while she's in the ward like doing like some scenes and he's like interacting with her and they show her doing like more like you know exercising stuff push-ups and all that stuff like there's a lot of extended scenes um i have to rewatch that one again uh i think the movie's perfect as it is but that little extended cut has some pretty neat scenes in it that didn't make the the final cut i don't think i've ever seen the extended uh i, I don't think i've ever seen the extended cut you started talking about the scene with kyle reese in it and so yeah. i kind of thought maybe i have but it was just that one scene where she's like she takes a medicine and she's like in that hallucinating state or she's in that dream where uh-huh. he comes back and he's like remember the mission remember the message and then he's like he's leading her out and she goes outside and that's like the first time that she see they show us that dream uh, the dream sequence where she's like on the other side of that fence yeah, and, yeah. and the playground and she sees like the the flash and the explosion that's the only scene that i remember with, okay. with kyle reese being in it um they also could have made her and it would have been believable this way as well is is they could have made her still the uh, damsel in distress but like really weak like like traumatized yeah like she could have been like just super afraid of of everything like right. any like she could hear a pin drop on the floor and just immediately like react and, and freak yeah. out and i could have sen- seen that being a, a believable thing because i mean being chased by robots in the future would be enough to mess anybody up so right, that's right. that's it's super cool that they decided to go this route and just have her be like and, and even if you were to and I don't want to touch up on it too much because we're, I think we're going to lead up to it. But even if you were going to re-release this movie in today's day and age, just having that, giving her that empowerment and that independence definitely holds up really well, especially in today's society. So oh, yeah. I like how they did that. Super ahead of the curve. Um, real quickly before we move on to recasting and whatnot, do you, do you feel bad for the Dyson character in this movie still? Or, does, or is it like, uh, it's kind of like, kind of got what was coming to him? Because he was gonna, he was the architect of, even unwill, unknowingly, right. he was gonna architect the end of the world, basically. You know, they the Miles Dyson character, 
you kind of from from the initial introduction of his character you kind of want to see him get what's coming to him i mean not not, not the initial part because the initial part just shows him in the lab at, at work yeah but like um the the scene where it shows him in his home with his family and his wife is like oh you promised to, to take the the kids to Waterworld or or splashtown or whatever that water park or whatever it was called and he's like I, I can't like i'm so caught up with all of this and she's like oh you know, we're we're kind of like your work. It's the only difference is you have your heart in here more than you do to uh, us, and it's kind of just like, oh my god, like, dude. Yeah. But then you know he he has a turn of face, so it's kind of like, okay, well you know he turned. He he wants to do what's right for you. He he wants to do right by everybody else. He doesn't want to ruin the future. He wants to help save it. So when the scene happens and and he gets kind of shot up, it's you you kind of feel a little bit of sympathy for him because he. It's kind of like the the Joker line: "You die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." Yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, there you go. There's there's your influence for the Dark Knight there right go. there. That's the that's... old. The Dark Knight took a hell of a lot of influence from this movie in terms of like, you know, when you're watching a badass movies when you have a SWAT team at some point <laughs> yeah. infiltrate a building. You saw it in uh, Dark Knight. You've seen it in The Winter Soldier. There's always some like cool SWAT team like infiltrating something and. And it's got like the same color tone. Like if you notice the movie's like Super a very dark, very dark bluish, yeah. and it's like Dark Knight's got a lot of that too. So does the movie Heat that probably took influence off of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the color tone of this movie, like you've seen it in a lot of different movies, and it, it really makes it stand out and makes it look different than a lot of the movies because not a lot of action movies look like that. So as far as like the crisp, clean color look, yeah. So in you know you you kind of feel you you feel a little bit of sympathy for him because in his final moments he died doing you know what was right by you know doing right doing right by everybody else but at the same time like aside from him being the catalyst of of the future that they were going to be facing and and him sparking it all he didn't really have that big of a role so you didn't really have time to develop much of a connection with his character to actually you know feel good or bad about what happened but that's just me i follow um this account on facebook i think it's called gym nation or whatever and they'll do memes and they do wrestling. Sometimes they do movies. For uh-huh. the most part, wrestling. But the one scene they always show is like whenever, I don't know. It's like whenever you're done doing legs or, or cardio, and it's at him. <laughs> yeah, Dyson, yeah, I see that all Dyson the time. Dying, and it's like, <laughs> gasping for air. But I now see. I can't watch that scene and not think of it being used as a meme. So that's what I guess. That's how you know you've made it in today's society is if your movie gets memed. Yeah. So it's like a movie from that long ago can still get memed. You know, you think about the DiCaprio. Django meme that's become popular, even though once upon a time in Hollywood, but a movie from thirty years ago can can get memed. I, I think I think of the one where uh, <laughs> it's it's another one of those dream sequences that Sarah Connor's having, and it finally shows the full dream where it shows the nuke and like everything's getting destroyed, and she's on the other side of the fence and she's getting blasted and, and yeah. set on fire, and, and then she turns into a skeleton, and it's the meme where it's like. When, when you live in Texas and you get inside your car for the first time and you turn on the AC and it blows out and it's just her just like yeah. holding onto the fence as a, as a skeleton. That's the one I think of. Yeah, that, that's a good one too. Um, that scene scared me as a as a young youngin because it kind of like, did. Didn't it? She's like yelling right and she's like a skeleton already. Yeah. Like, ah, like that's a little, little bit of a frightening scene. A um, couple other notes before we get to recasting. Not only do the visual effects of this movie hold up and the look of it and everything. But I think the messaging is still perfect for today's uh, society that we're in and a lot of the division that there is. Um, one of the very 
dark lines in this movie is when John Connor they're they're on the they're on the hunt for that that guy I guess whoever they're looking for to get the guns. Mm-hmm. I think they're at a gas station or whatever. And John Connor looks over and there's these two kids playing around or whatever and John Connor looks at Terminator and he's like and he's like we're not going to make it are we? And Terminator's like what are you talking about? He's like humans like we're not going to make it right. And the Terminator looks at the kid and he's like nope it's in it's in your guys nature to destroy destroy each other. Or destroy yourself. Something I forgot what messed up the line, but it's like man, like it still hits in today's society. Oh you know? yeah, there's so much, you know, with politics being bring it, being brought into everything uh, in the last couple of years, and like there's everyone everyone's on one side of an opinion or or another side on a you know a different topic. There's just so much division right now, and it's weird how this movie kind of foresaw some of that. Yeah, like <laughs> foreshadowing kind like, of, and it's not like. They're not talking about machines ending the world. They're not talking about. They're talking about like humans in themselves imploding. We're going to be this the cause of our own self destruction. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. What were your thoughts on the messaging on this movie thirty years later today? I, I agree with that one. I also like to kind of to flip the coin a little bit and to talk about something that's a little lighter and, and not as not as not as dark. The the one that I like is uh, the the message that he sends from the future and i don't remember verbatim but it was like the future is not set uh fate is is what we make it or there is no fate there's no fate but what we make first yeah there's there's no fate but what we make for ourselves and that's really like that's really an inspiring message uh just kind of telling you that hey you know things are the way that they are now but the future hasn't happened yet you know what's what's going to happen hasn't even happened yet so we have an opportunity uh to to make things right so even things like that like you just touched on mm-hmm. you know we we ourselves if we take a moment to look inside and uh understand the the things that we can control and, and the things that we can do to contribute to you know to helping out a society as opposed to destroying it like we we, we really do have the potential to to rewrite a, a future for mm-hmm. ourselves and to rewrite the future that we want to and um i really love that message i didn't really see it as much as a kid it kind of just went over my head because i'm not really looking out for things like that but you know doing the rewatch and kind of listening to it i was kind of like huh you know that was that wasn't just something for the sake of a movie that was borderline a a metaphor for you know for real life and you know what what humans have the the potential and the capability of doing so i thought that was really cool um one of the big reasons i love the interaction between connor and the terminator and this is one of my last points, and then we'll get into it. But And I just kind of want to bring it up because it's still relevant today and it's something that could be used. Um, so one of the things that the kid teaches a Terminator throughout the course of this movie is to not be violent, not murder, or tell him why you don't, you don't hurt or, or just kill anybody for, like, any reason. And this is a violent movie in general, but... This Terminator throughout the course of the movie learns to, yeah, he has to get physical, but he doesn't murder anybody, mm-hmm. at least to, you know, people that he doesn't doesn't have to. Um, and that's like a really interesting message for like, you know, what's going on with like police and all that stuff. And I know there's a lot of people that are, think police go too far with their power. And yeah, there's like some points where it's like, why can't you take a message from like the Terminator? Like, instead of like, you know, if you're in a, dark situation where you have to draw your weapon what's wrong with shooting them like in the leg to like you know weigh them or power them down like instead of like just flat on killing i'm not saying all cops are like this not and i'm not trying to just turn this 
you know, subject matter into like a whole like police thing. But, you know, you watch this movie and it's like, oh, like simple little thing like, oh, the Terminator shoots the guy in the leg and, you know, he tells him he'll live. But, you know, he, he, he weighed him down. I don't know. I just, I noticed that during my rewatch. I'm like, huh, but this movie would play really interesting in an audience today. And I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You don't have to wait too much on it. I just wanted yeah, to bring it up real quickly. It's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a very sensitive and, and controversial subject. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, especially with what we see a lot of days now in the world is, unfortunately, we, we can't all be Terminators. So, right. you know, <laughs> as opposed to like Arnold Schwarzenegger who can eat bullets like light work and, you know, you can shoot at him and he won't go down. If you're standing toe to toe with an entire, you know, squadron of police, and you think to yourself, like, okay, I'm going to incapacitate this guy by blowing out his kneecaps. Then you have, like, 50 or so other officers that are just going to gun you down. And you're, you're kind of, you're kind of SOL at that point because right, you're right. not, you're not going to be able to stand up from eating all of those bullets like, like the Terminator can. So it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario, but I totally agree as far as, like, in terms of, like, solutions. Being, being, right? being able to handle a situation without necessarily resorting to taking the life of somebody else. Yeah. And, again, I'm not a cop either, so I don't know what it's like to be a cop. I can only imagine. But, I don't know, it's just something to think about when you watch that movie. But, again, there's that scene has a lot of heart in where he's – where the Terminator is going after all of the cops. And, like, at the end of it, he goes into his little map in his eye and it's like, how many human, human casualties? Zero. And, like, basically, like – did the job without really, really, like, harming anybody. And that was the whole point of, of Connor trying to get him to understand that. Uh, even little things like breaking into a car and not realizing maybe there's keys in, you know. You're in right. The, instead in, of breaking in whatever, open instead the of just steering like wheel. Doing all this shit to try to, like, hot, hot wheel a car. Hot wire a car. Hot wire yeah. like a hot wheel. Hot wire a car. Just little things that this, this kid showed him. And it's like, it was, just, again, just so many fun little moments in this movie. All right, let's 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 get off that subject. Let's let's talk about recasting this movie in 2021. Uh, this one was a tough one for me, but I'm gonna let you, Brandon. I'm gonna let you take control of this this topic because I'm gonna I want to bounce off you because I didn't. To me, it was really hard to do. I know you said you thought about this one for a while, even way before we were talking about doing this episode. So, right, um, I'll, I'll let you go off on it. So, interestingly enough, uh, I, I did put quite a bit of thought into it, but. For me, this was kind of, this was kind of an easy one to, and this is kind of why I enjoyed picking this as my particular episode, because when you really think about it, uh, kind of going off of what you were saying earlier, this is what, what I would, in my opinion, this is the makings of a bona fide summer blockbuster movie. And now, I don't want to belittle anybody or, or, or take anything away from, you know, anybody who's a master of their craft but for a movie like this like i don't necessarily need you to show up and give me any kind of oscar worthy performance in, in terms of like acting not not saying that i would you know not saying that anybody's that this movie's not capable of doing that or that there's anybody out there that's not capable of giving a performance like that but i don't really need it for a movie like this i just need you to show up be badass for like two hours and 45 minutes I think was the runtime for this movie and then go home and leave and then we have we have ourselves a pretty kick-ass you know summer blockbuster um so I, I got a I got a couple of good examples for how I would re recast this movie um there's gonna be um spoiler alert there's gonna be some bias that goes into this into this okay. frame of thinking but I have I have ways to to explain myself so it's not total bias and of course by saying that if you're listening to this and you know me very well I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you can probably 
probably already see where I might be going with some of my picks, but um, I'll just I'll just dive right into it. Um, so the first one I'm going to say. So recasting the Terminator himself, oh, here and, we go. Yeah. and this is this is just the way that I see it, and uh, I know this is going to turn a lot of heads, and this is going to get a lot of eyes rolling. So you can consider just consider this to be my unpopular opinion, um, but I could see the headlines for it now. Summer Fourth of July weekend, two thousand twenty twenty one. Seven Bucks Productions presents Terminator 2 <laughs> Judgment Day, starring Dwayne Johnson. Now, okay. hear me out. Yeah, hear me out. So, the reason why I know that that's going to get a lot of, you know, eyes rolling is because I, I totally understand. I empathize that there are people out there that are kind of getting burnt out of The Rock's flavor. You know, The Rock has dipped his toe into a lot of different things, not only in the world of cinema but he's also got his own, you know, line of, of, of energy drink supplements. He's got his own tequila brand. He's, he's almost virtually in just about everything. And a, a lot of what inspired this decision for me too actually comes from the conversation that you and, uh, Tyler Bishop had when you were doing your fandoms episode for mm-hmm. the, the DC releases and, uh, the concerns that you had with The Rock playing, uh, his upcoming role as, as Black Adam. Um, really good points that you guys made and, and you've even made some of these points in the past when we used to work together at the, at the movie theater because you had made the point and, and a lot of people will agree that if you take a look at the roles that The Rock has been in especially in, in recent movies it, it's a lot of the same he's either one of two characters he's either like uh, a special forces military member or like a former special forces military member that's just got got a lot of knowledge and he can outwit you and outthink you and be one step ahead and be very calculating and then whatever he can't figure out with his mind, he can just punch through it because, you know, he's the rock. Right. Um, and then, of course, if he's not that, then he's just a straight up demigod. He's just somebody that has, you know, superpowers and he's basically invincible. Is that not what the Terminator is? I mean, is the Terminator not, you know, just a, you know, an unstoppable force, just this juggernaut that eats bullets and can get up and still kick in? Like that, that to me sounds like the perfect role for the rock and and you take a look at arnold schwarzenegger he was the original terminator he was you know the founding father of bodybuilding you know he had a pretty big and, and lean and jacked physique is that not the rock i mean can you think about it just imagine it the rock is playing this role he can go on his instagram and you know he can he can promote like oh man i'm, I'm so i'm so privileged and honored to play the role of of the terminator and uh, paying tribute to my good friend Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was a badass in his day. And, um, you know, he he brought a certain physique and he brought a high level of conditioning. And, and I just want to bring, like, this this new, fresh and, and higher level of conditioning to this character and, and really play on the, um, the mythology of the Terminator and, you know, talk about his workouts promote his tequila promote his zoa i mean i i feel like i feel like the movie would write itself and and especially because dwayne johnson is such a big household name if you were going to reboot this movie i think that you would need kind of a big draw like him to um you know to to promote the movie and then again not taking anything away from from his acting style not taking anything away from him as a performer or as a master of his craft but you know the terminator was very stoic very emotionless and didn't really have a whole lot of speaking lines just a bunch of one-liners here and there that's that's all he really needs so casting the rock as as the leading role for the terminator my my number one draft pick 
Look of it, yes, I totally agree. Could pull it off easily. That's like a no-brainer as far as like the physicality of it, the the action sequences would look good and all that stuff. And this is taking into account James Cameron still directing and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Could The Rock pull off? He's basically only will only have a few lines in this movie. Could he pull it off and not raise an eyebrow at any point? Like, I don't. I don't know if I could see it. I feel like The Rock is more, or Dwayne, sorry, um, is more of a guy that needs to speak in the movie. Um, so I don't know if he could pull off being like, you know, Schwarzenegger is so good at like having that face where it's like he doesn't need to say anything. Like, I don't know if The Rock brings that same force in the face, like in a look, like without being like, without being too animated. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if he stares at you, like he's got to like do this. Or whatever, just to show that he's tough, um, kind of like a Hobbs. Um, so I don't. I mean, again, I, I agree with you the physicality part. I just, you know, he's got to be stone faced, like for the most for the most part. And even when he does the one liners, he's got to be like, he can't be in on the joke. Like it's the audience that has to laugh. He, like Schwarzenegger, when he's delivering his one liners, he's not, he's not intentionally trying to be funny. It just comes off that way because that's just how good the performance is like right it just make comes off that way and it's it's brilliant i don't know if the rock could pull that off that's my only trepidation with that pick but the marketing and all that stuff would be incredible for it. the posters would be awesome like are people going to go see it absolutely but that would be my only like question mark with that decision i think i think if we were talking about discussing recasting for the first movie then you would actually you would actually have some points there and that would kind of be the the challenge is to have him really be less of the you know less of the people's champion and less of the you know charismatic person that he is you know take take the charisma out of the character and just really be like stone face uh, stone face emotionless because you have to have that you have to have that continuity because if you're if we're casting for this one this one being the sequel then he would have to have been the the bad guy in the first movie yeah. um so that would be you know that would be the the challenge that would be the the coaching i guess uh to to what he would have to do but as far as like you know him being the rock and, and him raising the eyebrow um i i think like yeah you you a lot of people would think oh man here we go it's this is the rock being you know it's the rock being yeah. the rock but at the same time like the purpose of this movie was you know to to bring kind of like a a lighter mood mm. uh you know to transition from what the first one was uh, as we had talked about the first one was very like dark and and almost scary and, and horror driven yeah. this one had like a a lighter mood and, and a lighter sense and, and i really think that you know if, if he if he put a little bit of charm you know not a whole lot but if he you know if he put a little charisma in, into that character into delivering his lines it wouldn't completely tarnish the movie because you you kind of need that that little bit of uplifting yeah so. everybody needs that jokester like right. all, this, i mean the audience just they'll eat they'll eat it all up for sure um who else do you got for this movie um so going from that uh i would so i would counterbalance that and i would pick uh to be the t1000 uh a once in a lifetime matchup on the cinematic screen oh i would pick john cena to play the t1000 wow real quickly we didn't really give a shout out to robert patrick for the tremendous portrayal of the t1000 here absolutely so menacing um again a character that's been hard to top as far as a terminator villain like right they've tried so many times to like redo that and it's just not failed or it's failed every single time 
And that's just a testament to how good Robert Patrick was. Oh, for sure. And this is a guy that wasn't like, and they mentioned this in the, the Siskel and Ebert. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a guy that's not, he's, he's like this lesser of a man. Yeah. When you compare him to Schwarzenegger, yeah, he's like this, he's like this scraggly, like scrawny guy, but that makes him more menacing and more calculating as a yeah. villain, which, which makes him more believable. Oh yeah. yeah I, I totally remember that. Um, and that was going to be my thing too. So if, if John Cena not being the T1000 to compliment the rock, then maybe make John Cena as the Terminator. Because Ooh, John see John Cena rec- recency but bi- recency bias I just came out of <laughs> Fast and the Furious Nine uh, not too long ago on Sunday night before I did my rewatch and and John Cena can play uh, a very serious character and see I think he could pull off Stone Face better than The Rock yeah Dwayne I'm sorry <laughs> so so John Cena could play a Terminator and then you can pick somebody like maybe like a. I don't know, like a, like a Luke Evans or or maybe like a Keanu Reeves to to play the T one thousand. Somebody who's you know when you when you stack him up compared to like a John Cena or, or the Rock, you know these big built up beefy guys. Mm. You know these. I'm not saying that they're I'm not saying that their physiques are bad. They have you know they have decent bodies. They have nice bodies, but compared to like these big bulkier guys, mm. like they're they're lesser of a villain, which kind of makes you take them more serious because they're a little bit more calculating. So I would. I would choose th- those would be my picks for the T1000 and, okay, the, and the Terminator so, you, so far. But your top pick for the T1000 is Cena. Cena, yeah. If I'm going, if I'm if I'm casting the Rock as my my leading role for, for so the, you would have them match physicality. You wouldn't stick with like the way they did this one, where like the guys like lesser like I don't know. I don't know who could pull that off though. It could it could be I could it could be either or for the T1000. So I could go with Cena just because you know you you can match that and and you could. You know, again, you can get the audience pretty hyped, especially like the the wrestling fans, like, yeah, yeah. to to see that matchup, uh, not in a wrestling ring, but on a on a big screen. Right. But it, you know, it, it could work either way. Um, even if I kept the Rock, you could still have like one of those other two people, like a like a Luke Evans or a yeah, yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves to to play the the T one thousand. Keanu Just, Reeves would be interesting. I'd love to see him tackle a, a nice villain role. I think he's due for one. That'd be cool. Who else you got? Uh, let's see for. For Sarah Connor, um, let's see what you got here. I'm interested in this one. So again, for recency bias, uh, only only a couple of only a couple of of names really stood out to me as far as somebody who could really capture that range of playing the the sweet, innocent damsel in distress type girl uh, in like the first movie, but then turn into like the total badass and and really head rocker in the second movie. Um, and I would either my two picks would either be uh, Charlize Theron or Margot Robbie for, ooh, for uh, for Sarah Connor. I would say Mark. I, I mean, bias for me, but I've seen Charlize do it. You know, we saw what she did in Mad Max: Fury Road. Mm-hmm. So we've seen her turn it on. That's kind of like a Sarah Connor type character, yeah. Anyway. So there's a lot of influence there. Margot Robbie, she's got the charm and all that stuff. So she would be perfect in that first movie. But then I would love to see her like. Just like a more real muscle gritty, up, more yeah. Sick, I want to see a six pack on her, uh, sweating, grimy, like just cussing. She's like that part kind of threw me off in that movie a little bit. Like Sarah Connor's like, oh motherfucker, and like this and that. I was like, yeah. whoa, like calm down. I enjoy the the cursing, but you know, just, let's tone it down a bit. She's a little too much, but yeah, I'd probably go with Margot Robbie. But that's just me. But who who's your number one? Would it be Charlize? Mm. I think I think. To play on the safer side, I would probably go with the Margot. I think between the two, because I, I realize that 
<laughs> with with all of the names that I've listed off so far, you know, these are our really big name, well established performers, and I would probably need like an infinite budget to to be able to afford this movie. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think a Margot Robbie would be more on the affordable ends. I don't, I don't know. I could be, I could be one hundred percent dead wrong, of course, but I feel like she wouldn't ask for much to to be in that role uh, as maybe like a Charlize Theron would. I, mm-hmm. I feel like she would want to. You know, she she would want she would want her paycheck up front, kind of kind of thing. So, um, just oof. just in terms of like looking at it monetary wise, I would, and and, and yeah, in, in terms of like performance wise too, because I believe in in the range and in the acting of Margot Robbie, and she can really turn it on. And as far as like, you know, you know, she can she can you know, she can flip out and and lose her stuff and and act totally crazy. But I, I want more of like a like a serious kind of crazy and not like a. Harley Quinn kind of crazy, right. but, I, but I think she's there. I think it, it's just if she takes focuses on a more serious aspect, she's more than capable of getting it done. Cool. So who do you have to counter her if you're going that route as far as casting John Connor? So John Connor, I think I, I know where you're going, but yeah, I'll, I'll see if I'm right. <laughs> you 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 already know. You already know. I got to show some love. Um, <laughs> John Connor would probably have to be a little bit older in in my recasting, but I would. I would totally put a, a Tom Holland, Tom Holland yeah. or, or, or I was also thinking about it too. And, and this is kind of like a three way split. Cause I could go with either one of these guys. So either Tom Holland or like a, I think his name, uh, like Finn Wolfhard from, uh, the, the stranger things show. Uh, he was also in the it movies with the long black, long curly hair. Curly hair yeah. Oh, okay. I could see him or even a uh, Tanner Buchanan. And who's he? He's uh he's Robbie. From, oh, right. oh my from God. Cobra from... Kai. Oh, okay. I like that pick. I, I think I think he would, especially because in the Cobra Kai show, he's already shown like he's like he's a very angsty kind of yeah. like he you know he's like a problem child from like a broken household kind of right. thing. Like that's, I mean that is that not John Connor? Like I, I feel True. like that would be a good fit. But you got to pull off the charm, and that's all Holland. He's yeah. got to pull off the the one liners and the dude like like he's come the one on, that's just step chill outside. out, man. Yeah, you got to step outside. Like no nah, man, it's not how you do things around here. Like he could totally pull that vibe and. uh even the the parts where he has to be serious, like I can see, you know, Margot like yelling at him and him being like water eyed. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I'd, I'd probably go with Holland too. I, I though I love the the Tanner Buchanan pick. That guy's gonna be a big star. Watch, he's gonna be in some upcoming movies. Um, that's a good pick too. But for the physicality, I, w- I would go for him. But in terms of like overall range, because you don't need John Connor to be like physically like right. He's just a kid, whatever. Holland pulls that off perfectly. So, but him bounce. I would. I would love to see him bounce off Cena more than The Rock. But that's if we were reversing uh, roles. Wait, are you talking about Buchanan or are you talking about Holland? No, no, I mean like if Cena were the Terminator, I would love to see his interaction with Holland. Oh, okay, as opposed to Dwayne Johnson. Right. I just feel like it would be a better dynamic. But I don't know. But good picks. Like it. Those those would be those would be my top four for the for the main cast of this movie. Everybody else can kind of just fill in where. Yeah, you know. most of the other roles are just, even the Dyson role, just kind of like a. You can put a guy in there; it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. I, I will say uh, before you before I I let you proceed, I will say that one of the things that I would want to do is, regardless if I choose uh, Cena or or Dwayne Johnson as as my leading men for the Terminator. That opening sequence, because I'm, because you know me, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge nostalgia junkie. Uh-huh. So in that opening sequence of the bar where they arrive from the past, I would have like, 
Bruce Willis, Jean Claude, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger be like that biker gang that's in the bar that they're that's just getting ripped through. Oh, because like as an homage, j- like- as an homage, but also I'm thinking of it in terms of like. When you look at The Rock and John Cena, like these are the guys who who are starting to become like they're the, the, the action they're the new age action stars of this era. So it's kind of like a passing of the torch. Oh, okay. Plus, think about all of the hardcore stands and marks that would mark out when they see like <laughs> Stallone and Schwarzenegger in, yeah. in, in in like the Terminator movie because they were like the the rivals of that time as far right, as the right. action stars. So now you see them together. I mean, I know you've seen them together cinematically in the Expendables movies, obviously, but like. We're talking about the Terminator. Yeah. So seeing them together would, I, I feel like that would be one of the moments where the audience would just lose their shit and be like, oh, you know, when they when they see all of those guys together, and then you just have, you know, Rock or, or Cena just running through them all like in the bar, and, and that's kind of like the passing of the torch. Like, okay, hey, like see, you're, I'm cool with that. Like that that part of it being meta, like I'm okay with. I don't know if those guys' egos would allow them to be like annihilated on screen, but it would be cool if they were to do something like that. But uh, yeah, I like I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I didn't I didn't really have a a thinking for recasting just because to me I thought it was so hard. I don't know. So like your picks are and this discussion was it was perfect enough for this whole recasting part of the show. Um, I asked you something off air, and I think I want to jump to that now. Given all the sequels that we've gotten and the fact that they've all been somewhat of a failure for the most part, so. After Terminator 2, which was in 1991, we had Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines in 2003, which it's an enjoyable movie, but it was also trying to recapture the magic of T2. You mm-hmm. know, they tried to do the, obviously John Connor was older in that movie, and they, but there was still like the same thing, like the Terminator got sent back in time to protect him. And it's like, well, they stopped Judgment Day. What the hell's going on? Right. Well, it turns out that Judgment Day wasn't meant to be stopped. It was only postponed. And that kind of kills like what the whole point of Terminator Two was. Like they stopped Judgment Day. That was the whole thing. So that's what killed me. Killed that movie for me. And then Terminator Salvation came in, I believe, two thousand nine. Right. And that one had Christian Bale as John Connor. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different level of actor playing that role. Oh yeah. And if you've watched that movie, like that, John Connor's like intense the entire movie. But that's who Christian Bale is, and that's where you heard the famous rant of christian bale going off on set on the director and stuff like that um so that movie was set in the future and it was and you have like a a schwarzenegger cameo in the end but it's all it looks all animated and doesn't look good at all that movie was not a hit at the box office so it kind of just came and went and then in i believe 2000 i want to say it was 15 terminator genesis came out that's correct that was uh a young, they brought in the, the girl from Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, to play like a younger Sarah Connor. Right. And, uh, John that. Connor's the villain in that movie, which is weird. There's, there they start messing with the timelines a lot. And Schwarzenegger's in it, and he's like, uh, I don't know what version of Terminator he is, but that, there's just such a weird, like, comedic scene in there that just totally doesn't work. It's like a bad boys, I don't know if you remember that movie. There's a bad boy scene where they're getting arrested. Mm hmm. I'm like, God, oh, what the hell's going on with this movie? Like, there's just so much weird shit going on. I didn't understand half of what was going on. And then by the time it was over, it's like, I don't want to see, like, anything with the Terminator anymore. And then Dark Fate came out, which brought back Linda Hamilton right. in the iconic role. And I know Jamie Lee Curtis had just returned as uh, in Halloween. 
kind of like a resurgence of this classic like badass female character. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. What are they going to do with this? And I know Schwarzenegger was going to come back as well. And but by this time, I think Schwarzenegger had already kind of like overdone it as far as like coming back for Terminator. Yeah, like he didn't really adapt it like the way Stallone did in Creed with Rocky, and you know, mm-hmm. just brought it into this century. So I was like, man, how are they going to do it with this movie? And I thought it was all right. Like I, I enjoyed it, but it totally tanked at the box office. Like nobody gave a shit about this movie. So my question to you, and this is a whole huge setup to it, given all that we've gotten. And instead of saying, like, would this movie be released on streaming or would it be a theatrical release? What would you want to do with this franchise going forward? Would you want to make it a streaming series? Something like on Netflix or maybe even a broadcast on NBC or whatever. Or would you go back and try to make another movie? Maybe with the some, the new cast. Not necessarily Terminator 2, but get the people that you've recasted for that movie and put them into a new movie. Well, what would you want to do? I If it were up to me... Uh, and and I kind of brought this up earlier in the, in the show. I think what one of the big problems is is they wait too long in between sequels to to release them. And and like like you said, like I've said, um, when you watch the first Terminator movie from 1984, you watch the end of the movie. To me, that's a wrap. Right. But then Terminator Two happens, and I'm glad that it did. And Terminator Two turns out to to be what it is, what it was. That such one a huge also wraps success. up too. And yeah, you watch the end of it and it's like, okay, he dies again and, and they've destroyed the chips and the guy who was responsible for causing it all is dead. It's like, that's a wrap. Yeah. But then, but then you, you go into Terminator three and I had also, I think I had mentioned this off air too. This kind of plays into, um, what you talk about on your social medias quite a bit. Um, especially when you're poking fun of all the marks, like all the, the Marvel and DC marks where it's like, when you play around with time travel and, and you start getting into to, you know all of those you know multiverse theories and, and those conversations, and, and you say like, oh Robert Downey uh, Robert Downey Jr. you know dies like the the Iron Man character is dead but oh now now they're trying to find ways of bringing him back and it's like well now there's no consequences to anything like no, there's no consequences nothing means anything anymore with with movies like this when you can just say like oh if you go back in time. Or you go back into like a different timeline and you bring this person from here, it's kind of like you, you can get away with virtually just about anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where the series, you know, where this franchise kind of got away is they started playing around with that too much where it's like, oh, this timeline is like this or, or I'm, you know, I'm this version of the Terminator or like even in Dark Fate, I think when they were explaining it, uh, the, the version of the Terminator that they introduce, uh, Arnold as is like the version of, He's the one that goes back in time uh, when Sarah Connor's already in Mexico with her son, and he kills John Connor right then and there. Right. So that version of the Terminator kills him, and I think that's the one that plays into to Dark Fate. Um, so when you combo those two things, it, it kind of makes the it kind of makes the the franchise grow a little bit stale. Especially nowadays, because you have things like, uh, you know, the, the Marvel setup and you have the Avengers movies and, and so many people play on the, you know, the, the multiple universes and, and the time travel thing. I think it's, I think that, that theme is a little bit too played out and it kind of turns me away from wanting to make like a little mini series because what would you really actually make a series about, uh, mm-hmm. other than like maybe filling in the gaps between, you know the the six seven plus years that are in between the sequels but i feel like that would be 
I feel like you'd get the hardcore fan base that would be all on board with it, but I think like the average viewer probably wouldn't even bat an eye towards it. It would probably be something that gets lost in the shuffle, like, oh, okay, cool, this is related to the Terminator. I'll check it out one day, and then you, you know you never get around to checking it out. Mm. So I think personally, where I would take it is I would want to make a movie, but I would want I would want to make that movie my end game. No pun intended. I would I would want to make like that movie the the end all be all of like okay this is what's going to finish up the this, story. You know this this is going to be the wrap. Like this is exactly where where it's going to be. And like maybe instead of maybe instead of something that takes place like present day. So instead of something that takes place in like what would be two thousand and twenty one, which is actually crazy because the the future <laughs> is set in these movies in two thousand twenty nine, which is only eight yeah. years from now. And right. as we know, like. Skynet's going to go live soon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up. I, I would want to make a movie that maybe, you know, features John Cena and Tom Holland or, or you know, like these these types of characters and, like, have them play, you know, have them play, like, the future characters and, and have, show the war in the future and, like, finally stop it in the future because we've already seen the story where they go back and stop it in the past and obviously that doesn't do much. So yeah. let's let's show a futuristic movie. Like, let's show what's t- what takes place, like, when judgment day actually happens after the nuclear you know after the nuclear war and then that's where i would end it from there because it's already i mean it's only been a couple of years since dark fate so right. you know it, it would be it would be good and it would be to the point and that would we can finally uh finally put this put this franchise to rest uh when when it should have been you know several movies ago but they again like they, they just wanted to take a jab at justifying all of these sequels with oh these are all different timelines and these are all different companies like oh genesis is skynet or, or whatever you know what i right. mean like it, it got it got to be to the point where it's it, it got played out real quick i'm gonna counter yours and i would still do the same thing but i would do it as a a short miniseries like a two season 10 episode each but set it in that futuristic uh setting um I did like the concept of salvation. It's like cool. We're finally going to get to see the war, or whatever. It was just executed poorly, um, but I would want to see that. Like, what, what's the world like um, with the machines having taken over? But more specifically, like, really dive into all these different characters and into the relationships. Um, yeah, I would, I would go that route, and you could flesh out, you know, the John Cena character. The Hall- I, I would even use those actors too. See what they would do with like a twenty episode. You get twenty episodes. They're all gonna be, you know, it's all gonna be fully developed and it'll have a conclusion. So I would do that because I would want to spend, you know, at least a, a good amount of time with these characters, not just for like two hours and fifteen minutes or whatever in a movie. So that would be my only thing. I I turn it into a small little show. Would you? Uh, are we talking like? Are we talking like short, like twenty twenty five minute episodes, or are we talking like 35, 40 minute mark? kind of kind of episodes hmm, interesting i would probably go you know so if we're gonna go that route i would probably shorten the seasons maybe do six and six but they'd be like game of throne episodes like where they'd be like like 45 hour, 50 minutes 45, long sometimes hour depending five, on the credits depending on what's going on yeah depending on the credits but also depending on what's going on in the episode um yeah i would do that okay i think See for for me the again the the thing that that kind of worries me. But you you have more of a you have more of an eye for like you know cinema and, and, and television and stuff than I do. So you'd probably be able to write it better than I would. My biggest fear with turning it into a series is like 
making it like Falcon and Winter Soldier, where if you make it into a series, like how much of it is actually going to be prominent and, and relevant and how much of it is going to be just like unnecessary filler. And, you know, at the end of it all, at the end of both seasons, you know, getting people to think like, OK, like I'm, I'm totally glad like this was a, a two. I, I'm, I'm totally glad that this was a two season series. I kind of wish that they did more, but I, I'm glad that they ended it the way that they did, as opposed to like. This co- this totally could have been just like a two two and a half hour you know just shy of three right. hour movie kind of thing you know. No, mine would be more character driven. So like there'd be, you know, an episode focused more on the John Cena character, maybe how he came to be and where he would pop up in the story with Connor or whoever. Um, another episode would be about Margot and you know her and John Connor before you know they they ended up in the post you know nuclear judgment day or whatever so almost like like almost like origin story based kind of kind of but it would only be in some episodes right just to give them fully developed uh characters and and more depth okay Uh, but a chunk of it would be a lot of cool action stuff going on in the future right and those would be like the longer episodes where like all this shit's going down or whatever but that would that would be how i would approach it but a movie i mean i'm I'm always going to be for the theatrical experience but i'm just thinking here with fully developed characters like I want to spend, the, especially the cast that that's there. Like, oh, two hours might not be enough. I want to spend more time mm. with them. That would be that's the only reason why. Um, I guess lastly would be, and this is going to be a no brainer for the audience as you've been listening to us gush over this movie. Um, has this movie aged thirty years later, from nineteen ninety one to twenty twenty one? This movie has aged from thirty years. This movie will continue to age, so 30 years from now in 2051, holy cow, that's crazy to believe, if we make it past 2029, of course, but this this movie is, it's not going anywhere. This movie is timeless. It's, it's a classic for sure, and it's one of the most, in my opinion, it's one of the most uh, beloved films, not just in the Terminator franchise, not just in terms of like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. This is one of the most beloved films of all times, like one of the most beloved action films of all times. It's it stood the test of time. It's going to continue to do so. And I, I fully believe this movie is immortal. Um, you, you you brought up the whole like aging 30 years later and all this, 30 years from now and all that. I, was, I saw a meme the other day on Facebook where it was like there was a kid describing uh, the 20th century and it was like in the late 1900s. That's basically how far like the 1990s were ago that like, you can refer to it as at the late 1900s. Yeah, that's how you can talk about Terminator. Oh, the, in the late 1900s, there was this cinematic feature about robots, you know, cyborgs, <laughs> cyborgs, and and nuclear and, war, and Judgment well, I was Day. Like, Holy shit! That's how old like we are, and how much time has passed. And um, we'll see. We'll see what happens in what is it 2027 or 2028 when the future happens in Terminator. What year is it? Twenty uh, two thousand twenty nine eighty. So two thousand twenty nine would would it's, be in in Los. It's everything happens in Los Angeles or in New York. So it's, <laughs> it's like right. it's, yeah, it's, it's it's gonna it's it's gonna take a while before it's make makes its way down here to Texas. So I think I think we'll be uh, okay for like a good couple of minutes. It's also funny too. I uh, going back to standing the test of time. I, I forgot to give this little little nod to it. But even like um, that movie, uh, this is the end. Yeah, where they're like, I, th- I think uh, I think. I think this is actually Judgment Day. Wait, wait a minute. You mean like like Terminator Judgment Day? Like you mean <laughs> Sky- Skynet's taking over right now? Skynet went live. Like no, no. The the biblical Judgment Day is what's happening. It's 
it's so funny how how this movie is referenced in in so many different pieces of pop culture but oh, yeah for sure um any other notes before we wrap this up uh, oh actually you know what I, I didn't get to answer it and this is a a sound yes for me as far as this movie aging at, as it uh it has over the last 30 years i want to say this one and this will be spoilers for i think two seasons down the road when i'm doing this uh spinoff series this movie and jurassic park are the two movies that have stood the test of time as far as like you can release these movies today and they're more wow than the other sequels that have come you know after them like you look at you know jurassic world and it's like it's nothing compared to what steven spielberg did with these right these uh dinosaurs and the way he presented them on mm-hmm. screen like nothing's come close and you know no offense to all the directors that have done all these other terminator movies nobody has done done it the way james cameron has not at all and i know they said that he's had involvement in some of them i don't believe that to an, i don't think he had that much oversight because i know if he was really involved in a lot of these i know they would ter- they would have turned out to be better movies mm-hmm. but he's the magic touch to it and yeah like this is this is really one of the most important movies uh in history just because it, it changed a lot of things as far as like it being ahead of the curve with a lot of stuff i know everyone talks about you know star wars being influential with like being like the big first big franchise and all that stuff but the effects and especially how you see everything today with all the effects and green screens and all that stuff like you look at something like Terminator 2 and it's like sometimes it blows a lot of that shit out of the water. Like I would pick this over a Transformer, a good looking Transformers movie any day, like for sure. Absolutely. And this would be like, especially in, in today's day and age, you know, with, with everything that's that's transpired over the last year and, you know, with, with businesses slowly but surely uh, going back to normal and, and reaching, you know, full capacity and opening back up and all that stuff. Uh, with you being the, in the position that you're in, uh, still working on behalf of the movie theater industry, this could be, I could see like this being the movie. Um, what do they, what do they used to call them back in the day? Uh, like, like the, 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 the fathom events Yeah, yeah. where they would, you know, they would have like special release movies with this being the 30th anniversary. Oh, yeah. This would be the perfect movie to release and like, like, a like at the Palladium, like on a, like, like on an AVX screen, like a theater eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, if you, if you promote it and you re-release it, that, that auditorium is going to sell out. Right. Um, kind of like how they did in 2015 when I think they did the 30th anniversary for the, the Back to the Future movie. Yeah. Because that's when in 1985 it, it took place in 2015. So right. um, I feel like this would be the perfect movie to do that, especially in today's day and age, especially, you know, again, like I said, with everything going on now with people starting to, to build more confidence and, and to, to get a little more comfortable with, with going out and, and being out in public. This would be this would be a really good movie to, to really drive revenue to the to the theater businesses. Uh, I'm going to see how far my channel guide goes, but listen up, networks. There better be airings of Terminator 2 this weekend because it's 4th of July weekend. It's the 30th anniversary of this movie. If I don't see it on AMC somewhere this weekend, IFC, TNT, probably not TNT because we already know what they play, but I got to see it somewhere on television this weekend because that movie deserves to be celebrated. Uh, it deserves to be celebrated overall all the time as a, just as a movie. But 30 years, that's a huge milestone. Like, I hope it's on TV somewhere this week. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. How do you think you did on your first spinoff? Oh, man. Well, I think uh, I think this was a, uh, was such an easy topic to, to cover because this is one of my all-time favorites. 
So it's it's super easy for me to be comfortable uh, with talking about. So many good points were made. So many ideas that we could bounce off of. Uh, again, I, I really appreciate you having me on. This this opportunity really came as as an accident because when I initially reached out to you it was Halloween of last year. Right. And normally for Halloween for the past like five or six years or so, my bread and butter go to costume has always been you know just a button down shirt with a Superman T shirt underneath, and I'd be like a like a half dressed Clark Kent turning into Superman yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But um, for Halloween this year, I was uh, I went to Ross because I was trying to think of ideas of what to dress as because they were letting us dress up at work, you know, obviously within reason and appropriate and stuff. And right. I I ended up walking past this uh, this black leather jacket for twenty bucks, and I'm like, oh, that's a steal. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have sunglasses i have a black shirt i have black pants i didn't really get the boots though that was the only thing that i missed to complete the the ensemble but i had black tennis shoes so i was like i, I would totally go for it and so i showed up to work and every i was getting pops like everybody's like oh my god oh he's a terminator like that's so badass kind of kind of thing you know so then nice. i was i was with my family on halloween night because you know halloween during the pandemic there wasn't really a whole lot going on nobody was really partying and nothing was really open nobody was participating in anything and so I thought about it. I was like, isn't, isn't the Terminator turning 90 or turning 30 here pretty soon? So I, I Google searched it and sure enough, Terminator 2 Judgment Day 1991. And that's when I was like, I was like, it's a long shot. I don't know if I can make it on the show. There's probably a bunch of other people that he knows that are more credible than I am to talk about this. But I, I shot my shot and I was like, hey, just want to, if you're going to continue the spinoff series of, of 90s films turning 30, like Terminator 2 Judgment Day is coming up. So yeah and then sure and sure enough here we are and, and yeah. that's like 10 months later so again fell into my lap completely on accident but super easy to talk about i think the next uh things i think the next challenge would be if if i make my way onto this show again uh talk talk about something that's a little more i guess epic yeah. something that something that's more like performance driven uh in terms of like acting range and, and all that stuff and and scores and uh, you know, directing styles. I, I feel like that's more of a conversation between between you and, and Tucker. But that that would be something that I would try to take a jab at, I guess. But and this just, this uh, one this one went super well. And just like the Terminator, we'll see where you drop in next. We'll see what what movie you drop in and what adventures we'll get into in conversations and uh, what timeline we'll we'll be in. In layman's terms, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'll be back. Ah. Oh gonna wrap it up there thanks to brandon uh for today's episode uh, i appreciate him so much this has been a fun conversation and uh, thanks a lot buddy we'll see you next time thank you much thanks to brandon on his first ever episode here on the spinoff series 90s films turn 30 like he said he'll be back but the question is which movie will he return for that's that's tbd but uh that's the beauty of this show is that it's always an open forum I I have open invitations for anybody if you ever want to come on and discuss any of these 90s films that I'm doing. I have a list set up, but if there's one that you would like to tackle, I'm always up for it. I will never say no. But that's going to do it for this episode. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks, um, I was supposed to do, do these couple of movies before this one, but uh, like I said, this was a big episode, so I really wanted to to hype up this one and, and make this one special, which I think this is, this is the best, uh, movie of this, of this year that we're celebrating. So had, had to make it big, but coming up soon, mannequin on the move, 
Backdraft, Thelma and Louise, along with many others that I won't reveal just yet as we continue to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of the year 1991. But thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it so much. You can follow this podcast on Spotify. You can search at Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the Podbean app. You can listen on your phone. If you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, folks, and leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I, I can't thank you. can't tell you how much thankful and how grateful I am that people have tuned in and actually listened to this show. Again, I'd be happy with just five listeners, but the fact that I'm over like 4,000 downloads of the show, this is this is just, it's beyond me for, for, for what it is. And, and, and I'm still continuing to try to grow this thing, so. Thank you guys so much. But enjoy T2 whenever I upload this for you guys and celebrate the 30 years. Hopefully it's on TV. If you own the Blu-ray, the DVD, the 4K, whatever it is, watch it this week. It's a it's a fun rewatch, and it's uh, going to continue to be a fun rewatch as this is one of those movies that is just, it's timeless. So thank you guys. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Ten years ago, a machine from the future was sent to kill Sarah Connor. It failed. I'll be back. But this time, there are two. One programmed to destroy, the other to protect. Hasta la vista, baby. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2. Judgment Day. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, July 3rd at a theater.